finishing up our series today, and God we trust, and we've been talking about money, about stuff, um, we've been uh, talking about this stuff, and you know, I wonder when it comes to this stuff if we trust God. Perhaps we knew we would struggle on this one, or that our tendency would be to trust this. And so on the back, we built in a reminder, printed it on every single bill. It's embossed on our coin. And it's there to remind us, in God we trust. In God we trust. And through this, we've been saying, is that a question in your life? Or is it a statement? about how you live. When it, when it comes to this, do you trust God? And the other question we've been asking is, can you be trusted? You know, it's a matter of trust when it comes to this stuff. You know, right from the start in this series, we talked about the very obvious, and that is everything belongs to God, everything comes from God, and everything is dispensed by God. And whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not, we're not owners. We're not owners of our stuff. We're stewards of our stuff. And the way that we handle our, our money, the way we handle our stuff, demonstrates who we actually belong to. And the way we order our finances, I think, shows what we value. And I asked last week, I said, does God get the first fruits? Or does God get the leftovers if there's anything left over? Because that speaks volumes. Scripture we looked at last week was, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Stewardship is about putting God first in everything, including our finances. And it's trusting God. It's trusting God with everything and trusting God for everything in our lives. Owners, owners tend to live like God can't be trusted on this front, that God can't handle our money issues, can't deal with our needs. And again, it's just a matter of trust. Will we trust God? See, I believe when we trust God, it, it's easy to kind of find that place where you can rest, you know, not worry, not fret. And I believe when you trust God, it's easy to obey God. God can be trusted. I hope you don't get anything else out of, out of this series that you take that home. God can be trusted. Today, what I want to focus on is the primary reason why most Christians do not live as stewards. And I don't think it's because we don't love God. It's not because we're not grateful for what God's done in our lives. In fact, I don't believe that it's because we don't understand at a very fundamental level that everything belongs to God, that we don't understand stewardship, that it's all God's stuff anyway. I don't think it's any of those reasons. I think the primary reason most people do not dive in, do not go for it, and become good stewards is fear. 
fear. Fear is the factor, just plain and simple. It, it is a matter of trust on this one. And I, I think many times we're afraid of all the what ifs. You know, what if I don't get that bonus? What if I lose my job? You know, what if interest rates go up or down? You know, what if the stock market crashes? You know, what if my parents leave everything to my brother? You know, what if my spouse leaves me? What if, what if, what if? You can fill in the blank there. But when it comes time to give to God, to return back to God, what belongs to God anyway, I, I don't think maybe we do this consciously. But behind all the what-ifs, there's a fear. And somehow, we think by not giving and being generous with what God has given us, that I'm going to like position myself financially. I'm going to put myself in a situation so that if I have financial problems, I'll be ready to deal with them. See foundation issue who are you going to trust who are you going to build your life on because it is a matter of trust who or what are we going to trust in our lives and, and I think assuming okay assuming you're the kind of person that, that struggles with this that struggles with, with giving and what what's involved in all that part of you because I, I talk to a lot of people, part of you, you, you kind of feel like, yeah, I, I should, but what if? And the what if gets in your head. And it keeps you focused on building your own foundation. A matter of trust. No matter how much you set aside, no matter how much or how well you build the foundation in your life, that financial foundation. I figured this out pretty early in my ministry, just watching people. When the financial storms come, when the bottom drops out, when you lose a job or your health or whatever, no matter how much you've got put back, no matter how well you built that foundation you think you're building, you will never tell God you've got it all covered. I mean, here, here's what you won't pray in that moment. You won't say, you know, God, you, you know I'm, I've got financial problems right now. But don't need to help me. Because all that stuff that I was going to give to you, I've been stockpiling, building this foundation. Well, I don't really need your help. I can take care of it by myself. So see, it worked out really well for us, didn't it? Friends, you will not pray that prayer. You won't. Do you know what you will do in that moment? I don't care if you've ever given a dime to God. I don't care if you saved a fortune. When the bottom drops out in life, when you hit the wall, you realize something right away. It, everything belongs to God. You will realize in that moment 
that you need God to share just a bit of what he's got. And you absolutely will want God involved in your finances at that point. You will go to him and say, you know what, God, I'm just asking. I'm giving you permission, whatever you want to do. I want you in this area of my life, bottom line. We will all do it. The question is whether we do it now or eventually down the road, you will want God involved. I've seen it time and time again. And so a wise man, wise woman, will be up front preparing for that day. They will be prepared for that tragedy or that catastrophe or whatever it is. And you will invite God into your finances. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's something that feels a bit hypocritical to kind of hold out on God. But when the bottom falls, we want God to fill the gap in. Now, today's message, and I want to be very, very clear, is directed at Christians. If you're not a Christian... Just sit back, relax, take a breath. You're off the hook. You, you, uh, this message isn't for you, all right? It doesn't have anything to do with you. I'm not trying to get your money. You get the privilege of watching the rest of us squirm, okay? All right? So if you're not a Christian, just chill out. You'll, I, I think you'll learn something today. You'll, you'll learn how, how God works. You get a credible insight into this whole issue of giving, which we, we talked about, people, people struggle with. Second Corinthians, uh, the ninth chapter, Paul is writing to a very generous group of Christians. He was not trying to get their money, okay? He already had it. They had already given, given generously, bountifully. Uh, scripture says that uh, Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem is going through some difficult times. Uh, and financially, they are strapped. And so Paul goes to the other churches in the region, and he's collecting money, and he's sending it to the Christians in Jerusalem. The church in Corinth had taken up a special offering, and they were extremely, extremely generous. In fact, bountiful is used throughout, throughout that letter. Uh, but 2 Corinthians, Paul, Paul says uh, the first half of the book, he's thanking them. He's thanking them for meeting their needs. And after Paul got done thanking them for that giving, he says, by the way, I want to explain to you how God works when you give. And that's what we're looking at today. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, he is specifically talking about money here it's the law of of the harvest uh, what we sow is what we reap if you sow a lot you reap a lot if you sow a little you reap a little it's a law that every single farmer understood law of the harvest can apply to lots of things but here it's specifically talking about money our stuff and so basically he's saying you're inviting God to get involved in that process of generous, generous, sparingly, sparingly, 
just as a farmer sows seed and invites God to get involved in finances, or I mean in farming, it's the same principle here with finances. God says, what you sow, what, what you reap. God establishes that. It, it's now being applied in a new way. Paul says, for those that have given, for those that maybe were afraid to give, he goes, I want you to understand how giving works, what, what's involved in that. That when you give, it enables God to return back to you more than you'd given. Just a principle. A principle, and I want to state this up front, taken to all kinds of extremes. All right? We've all seen on televangelists, they go, send me a dollar, and God will give you $100. And I want to tell you, that's just weird. That's just weird. It's illogical. It's unbiblical. That is not how it works. I mean, it might, but that's not how it works 99.9% of the time, okay? Today, I want to talk to people that are not trying to get rich. I want to talk to people who are trying to overcome their fear when it comes to giving. People who are trying to move across the line and become good stewards with what God's given them. You see, when, when you give, Paul says, it frees God up to give back to you so you can give again, and around and around it goes. Can you imagine for a moment a farmer? A farmer's got a bucket of seed. And he's looking at that bucket of seed. And he's going, wow, i got a lot of seed in here. But I'm afraid to sow this seed. Because, well, if I sow, I might run out of seed and not have any more. I mean, what would happen if I ran out of seed? Can you imagine a farmer? That would be a bit odd, wouldn't it? Or how about if a farmer looking out and, you know, he he's trying to decide what to do with the seed. I mean, there's no benefit to him hoarding this seed. But can you imagine this? Farmer's looking at his land. And he says, you know, God, I really want a crop out there. Not going to sow this seed. But I am trusting you to get involved. And I know one morning I'm going to walk out here and there's going to be corn everywhere but I want to hold on to the seed. Doesn't make any sense, right? Law of the harvest. It applies to giving. And friends, I have found personally it's powerful stuff. I mean, if you feel a little bit insecure when it comes to finances, a little bit afraid, you know, this climate, economic climate has created that. I mean, if you lay awake at night, you know, what if, what if, what if? I believe the wisest thing you can do is sow seed. Why? Because God gets involved in it. If we sow generously, we reap generously. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. The reason most... are so afraid you've never taken that step to be generous 
never been a bountiful giver. You've never seen God work in this area of your life. And so we're, we've got fear. I can tell you all the years that that has been a part of my life. It just gets easier and easier and easier. It's a matter of trust. And I want to tell you, God can be trusted. I, I talk, talk to people through this series, you know, that are kind of on that edge. You know, they're, they're wondering, you know, jump, don't jump, maybe, maybe not. Someone asked me an uh, interesting question. They were, you know, well, what can I, what can I expect if I do that? Friends, if you're willing to sow a handful of seeds, you can expect that as your crop. It's a principle. That's the way it is. It applies to everything in, in our lives. You know, some new Christians, when you're first getting started in, in your walk with God, God understands that there's a maturing process we go through. Money, it's the final frontier usually, at least in our society. In fact, you want to test your maturity, take a look at your money and see if you put God in that first position. We, you know, when you start in your Christian walk, I was trying to think about early in my life, there were these little deals here and there that, I'll be honest, almost didn't recognize that they were from God. You know, they hardly registered on the broader scheme of finances in life. But what happened was little by little over time, those opportunities got bigger. They, the, they began to increase in my life. They came quicker and sooner and more of them. But it was a matter of trust every time. question do you want to see God do something in that area of your life because it's really it's up to you you know you you basically you look in your bucket and you go how much seeds in the bucket and you get a handful and you start sowing it's a principle it's an invitation if you're insecure about it the, the wrong thing to do is to ignore the principle. That's what our society says. Go, oh, don't, don't worry about it. But a person who sows generously reaps how? Generously. If you sow sparingly, well, you, you get small, small return. Scripture just cuts to the chase on this. Again, Paul was not trying to get people's money. He already had it. They had already sown very, very, very generously. Paul, Paul's really wanting to, us to understand a principle here. You know, in fact, you're going to love this part of Scripture because I'm sure people were going, well, well, how much are we supposed to give, Paul? You know, love this answer. He says, each of you should give what? What you have decided, decided in your heart. Well, how much should we give, Paul? Whatever you decide. Really? No percent? You, you don't have a number for me? Paul says, decide in your heart what you're going to do, not reluctantly, 
or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What, what Paul is trying to contrast here, and you almost miss it, is the impulsive giving. People do it all the time versus planned giving. Paul says, when it, when it comes time to give, you, you need to quit just showing up, you know, without giving God much thought on, on that. You know, so when the offering plate or the bag, as it is around here, everybody's watching, we start scrambling, going to pull out a few bucks, throw it in. Paul says, don't do that. That's not the way to give. Not under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. It'd be kind of like if you had a birthday party. I come to your party. Everybody has presents for you, but I didn't. And so I'm kind of looking and assessing. Have you ever done this at a party, by the way? <laughs> You're thinking, I didn't do anything. Left it out in the car. And so you run out to your car, jump in, drive down to Walmart or Target or whatever you want, get something, get some wrapping paper, wrap it on the way as you're driving back. Not, not a good idea, by the way. And then you bring it in. And you go, just left it in the car. Now the reality is, if you knew that's what I had done, you would not want me to run down the target or whatever, just because everybody else did. That's not cheerful giving. We've all had things like that in our lives. God says, don't give like that. The way you break that kind of giving is you go home, you look at your plate of seed. You look at the context of your life. You look at your world. You look at your finances. You look at your potential, and you take a good, good look at your life. And you need to think about it, you need to pray about it, and you need to plan. If you're married, you sit down with your spouse. If you're a family, I think it's great when the whole family sits down and talks about it. And you make a decision, not as... It's coming down the aisle. Not only when something like grips your heart, you know, like you see starving children on TV or something moves you. Not only then, but you sit down when your mind's really clear, when you have some time to spend, you and God, and you just say, God, what would you have me do? And then you make up your mind. You say, here's what I'm going to do, God. And you give that when things are good. That's easy, isn't it? But you give it when things are bad. Been there many times in my life. You give it when you can. And you give it when it seems like you can't. You can't make those ends meet. But as you give... God says, I will get involved in your life and return to you. may not be in finances, but God says, I will bless you in accordance with how you have given, how you've made up your mind, what you've followed through with. At this point in the passage, 
you know, Paul begins to explain in very, very clear terms why God, why would God establish a, a principle like this? You know, the, he makes a, a promise that many times is misunderstood, but it's a promise to believers. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. If you sow generously, if you sow consistent with what you promised, whatever it is you worked out with God, then here's what scripture says God will do. God will give you everything you need. God will give you everything you need exactly when you need it. Isn't that why we hold out on God sometimes? I mean, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God, I wish I could do more. But I want to make sure I have enough for all this stuff in my life. And I want to make sure I have it when I need it. Here's my question to you. Do you really believe you can accomplish that? Do you really believe you are capable of building a, such a sure foundation in your life that you really don't need God involved? See, it's a matter of trust. In God we trust. Let me ask it this way. Who's better able to do that for you? You or God? Now, I know as I say that, some of you are going, well, if you put it that way, Pastor, I, I, I guess God. No, it, it's a matter of trust. God says, you know what, I'd love to do that. But, I, but you know what I need you to do? I need you investing in God's kingdom, in my kingdom, God would say. You know, I need you to invite me into the area of your life that's called finances because I'm able to give you all things at all times, all that you need. And friends, what I have found is that's financial security. You know, if you're the person that worries about money, that allows the what-ifs to talk you out of giving, you've got it wrong. I figured this out. The, the wisest thing that you can do is so generously in God's kingdom. Again, it's a matter of trust. It goes beyond our economy. It goes beyond our inheritances. It goes beyond our bosses or the companies that we work with. God is the one that gives you all things. God is the one that can give it to you at all times. God is the one that can take care of every one of your needs. You know, Paul goes on. He goes, as it is written, they scatter uh, abroad their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. He's, Paul's quoting uh, Psalms 112 there. And when you read it on the surface, you kind of go, what? 
what's he talking about? You know, that doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about here. I mean, nothing doesn't make any sense. But God's made a promise to the poor. God's made a promise to those in ministry. God's made a promise to those that are trying to evangelize a lost world. See, God says, I'm committed to that. That's where God's heart is. And God says, I'm going to find the money that's needed to move into those avenues through my church. God's looking for trustworthy stewards. And so it goes like this. If, if we partner with God, now I want you to think about this just analytically. Why would God drain the resources and not replenish them in your life? I mean, why would God cut off what is fueling ministries that God's heart is committed to? God says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make sure that it keeps moving on. And God says, I'm going to move it on with or without you. But he's inviting us to be partners with that promise. He goes on, he says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of, feed, of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And this is big. He goes, you will be made rich in what? Every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God makes a promise that if we are generous, we will be rich in every way. Why? Why, Why would he do that? So that we can continue to resource God's kingdom. In other words, you don't ever have to worry. Is the seed going to run out? Again, I'm going to tell you, it defies logic. There are times in my personal life that I, I couldn't even reason it, but it worked. It doesn't necessarily, it goes against economic trends. But God can be trusted. You know, I wonder, why do we worry so much? What are we so scared of? Because, again, it's a matter of trust. And here, here's what it boils down to. At some point, you just got to jump. At some point, you just got to give it a try. Not because, hear this, not because God needs your money. But because you need God involved in that area of your life. Now, when Cindy and I uh, first got married, we both were generous givers and when we got married, we, we talked about it, and it was, it was a no-brainer for us. And I, I'm always a little bit hesitant to uh, share because I, I don't want this coming across wrong. But Cindy and I have always acknowledged that God owns everything that we have. And we have always held everything that we've got, open hands. We have always, as a couple... We have always given God the first fruits that we talked about last week. We've 
gladly giving God back the 10% because it's all his anyway. It is the first check we write. And several years ago, Cindy just sensed God's Holy Spirit just pressing her. And she came and talked to me and she just felt like God said, you know what, the biggest check that you write should be for God. Now, that meant bigger than our car, bigger than our home, bigger than any bill we had. And so we had to make some adjustments, and we did. And it became the largest check that we write, or have it pulled out of our account now, but... Um, I thought, okay, that's good. And then a few years ago, she said, I think we got to keep stepping it up. She said, I just feel like the Holy Spirit saying, step it up. And so we did that. 15%, 16%. Friends, our game plan is we're just going to keep stepping it up until we hit whatever limit, I guess. More and more generous is what I'm getting at. In God we trust. I'll be honest with you, we have been doing it for so long. It's like a no-brainer. God always fills the gaps, and I could spend the whole afternoon and tell you instances when I wasn't sure how we were getting through the month. That's not true today, but there have been times, and God just stepped in, and things happened. And my, my point is, God absolutely can be trusted. It's something we, we learned that, that we cannot outgive God. Again, we do not give to get rich. We are already rich. We are blessed. You know, we have, we have two cars. We have a nice home. And friends, if we drop that in a scenario anywhere on this planet, just about, we are rich. In fact, if you make more than $10,000 a year, you are wealthier than 88% of people on this planet. Think about that. You go, whoa, you couldn't survive on 10000 No, if you have $10,000 coming into your home a year, 88% of the planet lives on way less, way less. This topic... I get excited about my wife even more so she she bubbles over about it but I think it has to do with we get excited about seeing how God works through what we do and how God just continues to take care of things again it doesn't allow us to be irresponsible all right that's a whole nother topic for another day 
But friends, when you turn that area over to him, it changes everything. It's a matter of trust. At some point as a Christian, you just got to jump. You just got to take a handful of seed and start sowing. And I'd encourage you, start start somewhere, anywhere. You know, if you can't bring yourself to, to give the first fruits, start somewhere. You know, 3%, 5%, 1% if you have to. You know, and, and then when God shows you that he can be trusted with that, you keep stepping it up and adjusting and saying, okay, let's see how you do with this, God. It is all a matter of trust. Take advantage of the law of the harvest. Take advantage of sowing seed for God's kingdom and get God involved in that area of your life. Now, I want to give you a heads up because when you take that step, you need to understand what God's doing. What God's doing in your life at that point. Because God, as you take that step, is inching his way into the center of your life. In God we trust. Do we? Finances, last frontier. This stuff, it's easy to trust this stuff instead of trusting God. God's given you a bucket of seed. We all have different size of buckets. We all got different amount of seed in the bucket. But friends, God's asking you to trust him and just sow seed. See, God knows when we give up this stuff, God knows he has our heart. And that's really God's goal. He wants your full heart. And God knows the potential of what he can do in and through you when you give him your heart. I mean, it's incredible, and God knows that. One more time, in God we trust, is it a question, or is it a statement about how you live? God, we just, we humbly come before you. And God, you have blessed. There's not a person here that, when we really look at all you've done, all you've given, it's overwhelming, God. And God, we all have struggles from time to time. The what ifs just get in our head and they play over and over and over. God, forgive us when we tend to trust the stuff in our wallets more than we trust you. God, I pray that we would be good stewards, that we'd trust you with all things, with everything. We'd give you the glory, we'd give you the praise this day and every day of our lives.
understand and sing to that. 